Tiro in the morning show on this Friday, July 28, 36 days away from a Sooner kickoff. Let's go to Fayetteville now. Phil Elson covers all things Arkansas baseball, basketball, football. He's the man over there, and he joins us live now. Phil, good morning. How are you today? Great, Toby. Great to be with you, man. Uh, Looking forward. You just said the number, 36. Um, I'm ready. You know what I mean? I'm just kind of like... I feel like I've done all the things that you can do uh, in a summer after covering like 10 consecutive months of sports. So bring it on. <laughs> You've got all the R&R you need. It's time for football season now. Well, five weeks from tomorrow. Well, give me just kind of a 30,000-foot view of Arkansas football first off before we zero in on some offense and defense. Well, what's kind of the feeling among Razorback fans of how good this team is this year? Uh, I, you know, I think the, the going thought is that it's an improved roster um, in terms of, uh, of depth. Uh, you, you, have a, you have a great backfield. You have a really good quarterback. Um, there's some questions still defensively, I think, more because you brought in so many players uh, out of the portal uh, into play defense specifically. Um, uh, and you want to forget about how Arkansas played defensively most of the time last year. Um, but I think there's also the feeling that there's a, <laughs> that, that, that there's roadblocks in the way um, and, and question marks that can kind of throw off the feeling of depth uh, in some cases. Uh, and I think that's probably the case for a lot of football teams. When you have so many new faces, um, they'll look close to 40 new faces in terms of incoming freshmen and in from the transfer portal. Um, so, and it's year four under Sam Pittman. Uh, and, and it's been such an interesting three-year stretch with the return to respectability um, and, and an unexpected nine-win season a couple of years ago. And then the feeling that you took a little bit of a step back last year. Um, so, uh, there's cautious optimism, but I think there's, they have a reason to be optimistic for a, for a very successful year. Let's start with all those new faces. Uh, who are one or two of the guys, the new guys, that you think have a chance to be or maybe need to be big-time contributors right away for them? Well, as a part of it is going to be who's going to be a featured pass catcher. Uh, not just at the wide receiver position, but also at tight end. Um, there's barely any production returning 
um, in terms of, uh, of of pass receiving from last year. And, and really, last year, even though Jaden Hazelwood and Matt Landers did play well, Landers specifically in the second half, and they were both portal additions, um, nobody was able to necessarily replace uh, what you lost uh, when Traylon Burks went to the NFL after his third year. So uh, the receiver position in the portal is fascinating for Arkansas this year because they brought in three players who have been big producers at lower levels of college football. Um, you got Andrew Armstrong, who's coming out of Texas A&M uh, Commerce, where he had over 1,400 yards of receiving last year and, and, and really seemed to you know jettison himself into uh, a different realm of, um, of talent. Uh, so there's him, there's, um, there's a, a Division II star, uh, named Isaac Tesla, uh, who played at Hillsdale College. Division two was a was like a wing T quarterback in high school, and was <laughs> I think lightly recruited would be a, a, would be an inaccurate way to put it. Um, but he's he's six foot four. He's supposedly got great hands. He's had a great camp, and the guys are talking about him as if he's going to be featured. Six foot seven Tyrone Broden coming out of Bowling Green State University. Um, you know, somebody that I think they, they would like to go to inside the red zone and in, uh, in tight windows and things like that. Any one of those three guys is going to have to step up uh, and, 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 and produce at the level that they have where they were before. It's just none of them were anywhere near playing the level of competition they will in the SEC. So it, it's truly fascinating to see. And also Varkey's Gums, who's a tight end um, – who was uh, who? Who started North Texas last year? Uh, I think um, I think with Dan Enos as the offensive coordinator, they're going to be using the tight end a, a lot more. Uh, and Gums probably is the premier pass catching tight end for this team this year. All of these coming out of the portal. Wow, I mean, this should be an offense that goes with uh, Rocket in the backfield, and and I, I love watching KJ Jefferson. Where? Can he, where does he need to be better this year? Where can K.J. Jefferson be better? There, there might be a couple of cases uh, of a little bit of carelessness with the ball uh, near the goal line. Like he, he doesn't put the ball into harm's way throwing very often, but uh, because he's such a willing runner, uh, especially around the goal line, last year we can't forget the the – 97-yard fumble return from uh, one goal line to the other against the A&M, against the Aggies, and that pretty much was the defining play of the season. And, and also, he could be a little bit better on short-range, medium-range passes. Um, and, and he's talked about working on footwork in the off-season. Uh, he spent a couple of weeks in San Diego, uh, apparently practicing throwing and footwork in the ocean. He talked about that. Hmm. Um, uh, my, my co-host on the show that I, that I host in Arkansas is Matt Jones, former Arkansas yeah. quarterback. And, and, and that was the first thing that he keyed on watching KJ was footwork. And, and he could be a little more accurate in the mid range game. And, and I think that, uh, you know, he's improved each year uh, in, in certain ways. So I think he can be better in those two cases. You mentioned defense, rough year last year, got to be better this year. 
you know, what were the major issues in your mind that have to be fixed? Tackling, first and foremost, just a lot of blown tackles um, and, and a lot of a lot of yards after contact. Truthfully, last year, and 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 that was also along with a defense that had a little trouble keeping uh, keeping guys in front of them. A lot of big plays. They, they did get to the quarterback much more often than the year before. It's interesting. They had 18 more sacks last year than the season before. 17 of those came from a combination of Drew Sanders and Jordan Dominic. Sanders, of course, drafted by the Broncos. And Dominic is one of the three dozen transfers at Colorado. So they're going to need to replace a lot of that. And they feel like they've got more depth. Um, on uh, on the defensive line, specifically at end, uh, brought in Trajan Jeff Coach from Missouri, John Morgan from Pitt. Both of those guys have had interesting career. Jeff Coat was an All SEC first teamer in 2020, and then his production really kind of dropped off last year. But Landon Jackson, who um, is a second year Razorback, third year college player, he started at LSU, he's out of Texarkana. He is six foot seven, two hundred eighty pounds. He's put on over forty pounds of muscle wow. in the off season, and he's running at over twenty miles per hour. So he seems to be somebody that could be a terror um, on the edge. I think they'll get to the quarterback, and they can't be much worse than they were last year defensively. Toby, one of the things about the, what they've done in the portal this year, they brought in literally not just in numbers, they brought in an entire defensive unit. They brought in. Two tackles, two ends, three linebackers, um, a whole, you know, and, and five defensive bats where you can set up a nickel defense. I mean, they have, I think it's 12 or 13 transfers in defensively, and literally it's an entire unit. That's amazing. That's at 6'7, 280. Gracious. That's a, that's a yeah, human Jackson's being. Gonna be a, yeah, he's going to be a beast this year. I, I think he's, he's the one player that's, that's overlooked. And it's weird to say that because he went to media days, but, but he only one Razorback is on the all SEC first, second or third team defensively. And that's Dwight McLaughlin cornerback. Uh, but I think Landon Jackson will be on the postseason team. He may end up over there with Musselman setting picks before everything's done at that yeah. size. He told uh, us he was a pitcher in high school too. So I think he's gracious. like a do everything athlete. I know. <laughs> Uh, the schedule is one of the darndest things I've seen. Uh, you know, reasonable start and finish, but that middle section where they go over a month without playing a game in Fayetteville is amazing. At LSU, at Ole Miss, at Alabama, all a part A and M and Arlington, all a part of that month. I mean, that is if you can get back home psychologically intact for that October twenty first Mississippi State game, this might be a pretty good year for them. No kidding. Yeah, if they have to win one of at least one of those games, and and look, Arkansas has had some success in Baton Rouge in recent years, mm-hmm. and they've had some success in Oxford. They haven't won in Tuscaloosa since 2003 when Matt Jones was the quarterback, and they've got a real bugaboo with A and M. You know, and only one win against the Aggies, I think, in the last ten meetings, and the Aggies are improved. That was a game that Arkansas should have won last year. But they are, this is crazy, they are the only team that I know of, and I've looked around, in major Division I college football or the NFL that is spending a full month away from their home stadium. Hmm. And that's, that's, that's what happens when you have 
uh, a neutral site league game as we do with Texas A&M. And this year it's the home game. They don't play their first SEC home game until the week before Halloween against Mississippi State. So it's crazy. Uh, they get a great home schedule next year. This year is just sort of they, you got to win all their home games. And then, man, it, it's a gauntlet. You're going to find out what kind of team you have going to Baton Rouge and then playing the Aggies and then going to Oxford and then finishing that off with Alabama. So I think if they win one of those games, because I think this year they have a chance to win in Gainesville. That's another road trip. Sure. And they, Arkansas is 0-5 all time um, in Gainesville. But I think this year that's a, that's a winnable game. I'm not saying they're going to, but it's winnable. If they win one of those four games we're talking about, you could be looking at a nine-win regular season. Finally, uh, you know, next year we're moving in. The new neighbors are moving in next year. Uh, Arkansas has got a historic rivalry with Texas through the years. Arkansas and Oklahoma haven't played a whole lot, even though we're right next door over here. But what what does Arkansas fan feel about this? How, how are they feeling about OU and Texas coming to town? Do they like it or hate it? No, I think everybody loves it for, for, for the reasons you just mentioned. Um, the, the Arkansas-Texas thing is so legit that the, kid, the people who really know what that rivalry is about are in their 40s and older. Mm-hmm. And now their kids have all taken that mantle of hatred of Texas, barely ever playing them. So they are like – they had the taste a couple years ago with the home game, um, and everybody rushed the field, and it was a big cathartic moment. Um, they have that taste. It's not always going to be like that, of course. And the reason Arkansas hates Texas so much is because usually the Longhorns won. But um, there's an excitement of that return because now everybody's going to experience what the older people have been talking about for the last 30 years. Uh, in the Oklahoma sense, it's exactly what you said. It's like they're right next door. We, we, we play this series with Missouri, and Missouri usually wins. But no Arkansas fans buy into it. They just don't care about Missouri enough. <laughs> but Oklahoma is different. Oklahoma carries some weight. And, you know, like I know a lot of people that live, as Chuck Barrett used to call it, on the border between Oklahoma and Arkansas. I think he called it the, uh, I think he called it the Great Wall. Um, and, and that's, that's going to be really interesting because Arkansas has a great thing with LSU. We border Louisiana, have a great thing with Ole Miss and Mississippi state. We border them, uh, Tennessee and Arkansas have a good thing going. They don't play each other very often. We border them with Missouri. I just described it. It only makes sense for this, for this thing to Oklahoma to, to work. I don't know if they'll play every year, but they, they have good history in basketball recently. Um, <laughs> the baseball programs every once in a while face off against each other. Yeah. Women's hoops do too. To get these two football programs to play on a much more regular basis, I think it's a great thing for college football and for the SEC. I'm fired up about it. I think everybody in the state is. Oh, it's going to be great. It, w- will Norman be the closest school to Fayetteville? It's closer than Columbia, right? Mm, yeah, Columbia is about a six-hour drive. So I would say Norman would be the closest, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I mean, it's all going to be great, but baseball is going to be awesome. Um, 
I, we got to come up there a couple of years ago, and obviously that atmosphere is second to none. So it's going to be great. Uh, Phil Elson, thank you so much for your time. Have a great season this year, and we'll send everybody to your show. All right, Toby, I appreciate you, man. Thanks. Always good talking with you. Thanks, bud. Phil Elson, uh, he does the baseball and women's basketball games for them, pre- and post-game for football. He's got a talk show over there. He's kind of Mr. Razorback. Good insight there on all things Arkansas. OU and Arkansas, TJ, right next door. What did it take us to get to Fayetteville from here? About three, two and a half? Three? It's, it's not further three, than it? that. Uh, three, three and a half? Hang on a second. I'm not. We're not going to break till I figure this out. According to my map quest, three and a half. So exactly what I said. No, wait. You said that. How many times do you think they've played all time? We we talked about this earlier. But. Yeah, and I don't remember what the answer was. Fifteen. Fifteen. I, I was going to say eighteen. Yeah. OU is ten four and one, all time against Arkansas. The last time they played in Norman, nineteen twenty six. The last time they played in Fayetteville. 1919. That's ridiculous. Unbelievable. We'll be back. The T-Row in the Morning Show is brought to you every day by the Riverwind Casino and Hotel, OKC's number one gaming destination. The one for entertainment. The one for games. The one for fun. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Hello and welcome back. This hour of the T-Row in the Morning Show brought to you by RK Black. Been in business since 1952. Leading provider of office technology solutions, fax, printer, copier, scanner, document management, and more. You say, you say. Hey, hey, Kimball Meyer Chevrolet text line. Yeah, go ahead. Here. Scott what T. People, we haven't gone to the text line in a while, so I bet it's stopped up. <laughs> I bet it needs some Metamucil. It's like your dog this morning. Yep. <laughs> Uh, Scott T says, prediction from you guys, will the ACC or Big 12 be the better conference Mm. after all the realignment? Do you think he's talking football only? Probably. All right. Uh, I mean, even just talking basketball only, I would still say the Big 12 is better. Big 12 is better in basketball. No right, doubt. yeah. The Big 12 is the best conference in basketball. Yeah. ACC, better in baseball. Baseball is better, yeah. ACC with Clemson and Florida State. Not that Florida State and Miami are, are Florida State and Miami right now, but they're still Florida State and Miami. They're powers, whereas the Big 12 doesn't have a power as of right now. Not yet, but he's asking after realignment. Mm-hmm. So that makes me do some, you know, some – forecasting here are they getting oregon and washington so they are that tightens things up is florida state ejecting because if they are that tightens things up i'm gonna say i'm gonna say acc will be stronger but there is a path here where that flips if the big 12 gets oregon and washington and the acc loses somebody or multiple somebodies then the ACC is in a precarious place. If the ACC gets Notre Dame to become a full member or something like that, then then they're obviously much stronger. But I'm going to give slight edge ACC, TJ. What do you say? 
Uh, same slight edge ACC. I think they've got powers in basketball. They've got powers in football. They've got powers in football. I said football twice. Uh, uh, basketball. Excuse me. They've got elite uh, blue blood powers in basketball, baseball, and football. And I would say slightly edge the Big Twelve. I have not been as excited about what the Big Twelve has done as. You and some others that I've even seen around here that are all giddy over Colorado, and I'm thinking this isn't 1985. So my thing is the Big 12 has done a good job of trying to stay alive. Yep. They've added nice programs, but nice does not replace Oklahoma and Texas. So no, nobody's saying that. I think the ACC is better in the long run if they don't fall apart. Here's I want to clarify my stance on the Big 12. Yeah, you said we... Colorado now mm-hmm. was equal to OU and Texas, so they are uh, just as legitimate as they were before. Those were your words yesterday. You sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> and that's what I heard. smells that's like what my... baked beans. That's what is it? What does uh, it say? Beef. 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 Breath smells like beef. Something is that like what that. it is? Something like that. I feel like beans is in there somewhere, isn't it? <laughs> Beef and something. I don't Beef and know. cheese. Beef and cheese. Beef and cheese. That's what it is. <laughs> That's what my ears <laughs> heard yesterday. I think that uh, uh, my stance on the Big 12 is this. The loss of OU in Texas almost destroyed the conference, and they've saved it. Correct, yeah. And I'll give them credit for that. It, that is it true. was in a precarious situation where everybody was looking for options, and it looked like it was about to fall apart. You know, Kansas to the Big Ten, Oklahoma State, and a bunch of teams to the Pac-12, all that kind of stuff. Uh, there was a point in time, this is hard to believe now, but there was a point in time when OU and Texas left where you would say the Pac-12 was a better conference than the Big 12. They still had USC out there. They've kept it together. They have strengthened it from what it was right after OU and Texas left. And they're still alive. They've done a good job. As good of a job as they could have done. Uh, But they are nowhere near the SEC and the Big Ten. I mean, the fact that we're having a conversation, they're they're obviously better than the Pac-12 now, right? And the fact that we're even having a conversation about could they challenge the ACC is kind of amazing. So that's where I stand with the Big 12. In five years, do we have a new conference that has formed that may be of a new name that is stronger than the Big 12, that is potentially made up of Florida State, Clemson, Notre Dame, Oregon, so on and so forth? No. No? In five years, we will have a conference made up only of aliens <laughs> that have moved to Earth and have decided to take on the SEC in football. <laughs> and Florida State. Uh, Florida State GPT will maybe cranking out some 3D right. printer uh, football players. <laughs> five years. I don't know what's going on in the next 36 days, okay? Five years. Come on, man. I do. We, we about, we, we're about to kick this thing off. We kicking this thing. We kicking this thing off. It's happening in thirty six days. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, what else you got for me? Marietta the Sooner stopped up text line. Mar- Marietta Sooner says, "Pac-12 and SEC, there is no exit fee for schools." Is what they were meaning by that earlier text. All right. Uh, money, money. No way Nebraska would come back. Money, all caps. What is yes? In all circumstances, the answer is probably money. Okay. I don't remember off the top of my head what the difference is between the Big Ten and the and the Big Twelve projected payouts. It's significant, uh, but I'd have to look that up. Um, yeah. So I don't think Nebraska is coming back. I I don't think so. But there's also the winning aspect to it, which money is tied to as well. You know, problem for them is they're packing out their stadium regardless. That's not a problem. I understand, but it's not like they're going to make more money sell more tickets if they go to an easier conference and win more games. I just don't think they like it there. That's the only reason I crack the door a little bit. Like, I think Nebraska fans, Oklahoma fans are excited about the SEC, and it's hard for me to ever imagine a day where they'd go back to the Big 12. I don't know. Like, Nebraska fans are kind of depressed and don't really feel like they fit in in the Big 10. That's just they're based making off of more winning, money. though, I think. Yeah, okay. But they're they're making more money. Great. That's awesome. But what's it doing for them? You know? Mm-hmm. Like, so that's the only reason I crack the door a little bit and say, I think if you polled Nebraska fans, it might be closer than we think. Maybe not. Maybe I'm an idiot. But I think they kind of miss it, maybe. But they don't get Oklahoma or Texas. They don't want Texas. They don't get Oklahoma if they go back to the Big 12, and that's a big draw. Like the renewal of the OU Nebraska thing would be something that would be attractive to them, and they wouldn't get that. So, yeah, they're staying put. What are we even talking about? Here's the question of the day. What if OU is just head-faking Texas to get rid of them and Josie's master plan is to get the Big 8 back together again? Genius! Give him the shitty that's, shake. That's next level thinking right there. Let's disrupt the whole college football world. Move all these things around. Act like we're going with Texas to the SEC, only to be in behind the scenes putting the Big Eight back together again. July 1, 2024 rolls around. OU and Texas are uh, set to walk through the door of the SEC, and Joe goes, You know what? You first. And Chris Del Conte walks through, and Joe slams the door. Says, tricked ya! Gotcha! What kind We're of... We're going to go play with Colorado. What, yeah, well, I was about to say, what kind of TV package could Joe uh, and the rest of the Big 8 commissioners be putting together that would make it... Um, would make that work for everyone compared to the SEC money they're about to walk into? Joe has secretly worked a deal <laughs> with Notre Dame... Amazon, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, and I don't know, pick two or three, uh, uh, Ohio State, Michigan. He's got, he has put together on the side a super conference, and he's locked Texas in the SEC. Wow. I can't wait for Joe C. Day to hear about all this. Two or we three of those alien teams we were talking about. We got two or three of those teams. <laughs> I want no part of the alien teams. They're good, though, Joe, Joe don't invite them in. 
Imagine the TV ratings for those games. They'll, uh, the ESPN will pay big bucks for that. <laughs> Sci-Fi right, Channel eight, would, too. 8.35 in the morning, quick timeout. Friday, it's almost the weekend, everybody. We'll be back. The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. Dude, you would have gotten such a kick out of uh, watching us yesterday. We got a, a couch. Jenny found a couch. But it is not for our living room, okay? I don't know if you know this. We used to have. Uh, Whoa! Let me write two... this down. This is an additional couch in your home. Yeah. Well, two calm down. Couches. We had uh, uh, two sons. We still have two sons, but they don't live <laughs> with us say, anymore. There's some information I need to. Know. They've moved out. They've got their own places, their own lives. It's it's an amazing thing, and so their two bedrooms are. Uh, uh, you know, kind of getting an overhaul a little bit because they've had smelly, stinky boys living in them for the last umpteen years now. And so we're kind of overhauling them, making one of them a nicer guest room for when we have you and Katie over, making the other one. Hey, just because I had pineapple in the cart the other day does not mean I'm spending the night at your house. (laughs) Calm yourself down, okay? Making the uh, second one, uh, you know, kind of another hangout area for uh, whoever, Chloe and her friends or whatever. So uh, putting a couch in there. Jenny found a couch she wants to, to put in there. Took the bed out, the old smelly, stinky bed, and put in uh, put some carpet down and, and a couch. We bought. But it's a nice couch. She got a good deal on it. Went to pick it up yesterday. It was, an, it was uh, one of those where we had to pick it up. So I went and we borrowed my dad's trailer. Jenny and I went and picked it up, brought it home. And on my way home, uh, it dawns on me. I don't know if this thing is getting through the hallway and, the hallway and into that bedroom because you've. <laughs> it's not going just through my front door and into my living room. It's got to yeah. go down a hallway and around a corner. And I hadn't thought of this till you're just going, now. You're going Ross on Friends. Pivot! Pivot! That's exactly what Jenny said. Pivot! She said. She said, don't worry, we'll just pivot, pivot. <laughs> so we get in the house, and we start to try to get around the corner, and it, it, ain't, it ain't going. It's it not even close oh, no. to going. Oh, no. We've paid for this thing. We've got a home, and it ain't no way it's going in. And we tried to, to flip it around and tried to go the other way around and got a little bit more, but not much. And you got to watch your back, too, doing those type of things. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm putting myself in great danger. And I got to give my wife credit. Jenny did some sort of a next level geometric equation on this thing. Like she looked at it and like it was a Rubik's cube. All of a sudden she like figured out like twist, pull up, down, over, sideways, twist, pull back, forward. I don't, I have no idea, but we got that thing in there. It was maybe the greatest accomplishment of our lives. I I have I could it will never get out. Right. We there is no chance anybody ever steals that couch from us. I promise you. You ha- we're gonna have to take the roof off the house to ever get that thing out of here. Or saw it in triple in, in I started to say in half, but it's gonna take more than that. It was an absolute magic trick. 
But she figured it out, and we got it in there last night. And then we went in and just sat on it for like a half hour. Just like, uh, what impressive. a great accomplishment. That's impressive. Right when you said that, I'm like, how'd they get it down a hallway and twist it into a bedroom? Like, that's a couch. Yeah, it you're smarter bend. than us. I should have thought of that immediately. You know what, though? We would never have bought it if I had thought about it before we bought it. Because we would have said, that ain't fitting. I mean, there's no measurement you could have taken that would have yeah. said, oh, yeah, we can make this work. So fortunately, we didn't think about it until it was too late, and then we had to go ahead and try. But, yeah, it was, uh, uh, you know that feeling when, I don't know if you, it's just, it was amazing. No, it, that, that's a, uh, I've dealt with couches before just getting them sometimes through a front door. Pivot. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a great feeling once you figure out that certain way to angle it. <laughs> And uh, you make it through a doorway or whatever it is. I couldn't imagine, like, twisting down a hallway and into a bedroom. No. I'm sure I've told you this before, but I worked for a furniture store when I was in college. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you've mentioned And that. one of my jobs was delivering furniture <laughs> by myself. Okay. I, I, they started me out building furniture in the back, and I was terrible at it. So they moved me to delivery. And I would they would load up on the truck, uh, you know, a couch or an armoire or whatever it was. I'd drive it to some house, and then I had to deliver it. And, you know, the expectation is the delivery guys are going to take care of this. I don't need to help them in any way. Right. I have paid for delivery. They're going to pull it. They're going to bring it in. They're going to set it up. There's nothing for me to do. But it was a one-man show, and I was so god-awful at the – I could not – I mean, I think I made three deliveries, and they finally said, man, we're going to have to let you go. You're you're scratching stuff. You're breaking stuff. People are complaining about you. You cannot do this. <laughs> I couldn't do it. We're trying to move these giant, you know, sectionals and, and couches and expensive stuff that people have bought in these Edmund homes, and they're like, I get there and like, where's this go? Upstairs. Are you serious? Upstairs? It's just me. Do you have an elevator in this place? No, I mean, yeah, you'll figure it out. So, oh, anyway, I had some flashbacks yesterday of that. But Jenny was there to help me yesterday. Now you've got to figure out how to get that mentally couch back more than out physically. When the beds go in for the grandkids, the grandkids have to have a room to stay in. What are you doing? No, the couch goes with the house whenever we move, <laughs> and the grandkids can sleep on it. <laughs> it will never leave this house. It's impossible. Uh, oh, the worst, I'm, I, fortunately, we like it because can you imagine if we've got it in there and then she uh, goes, this doesn't eh, look good. I don't good. think it works. This doesn't look good. All right, you got one or two more texts before we get out of here because we were really stopped up there. So. Uh, Zach says, T-Row's wife has the cheat code to house slash bed dilemmas. It was amazing to watch her brain figure that out, man. It was great. Shark says, a brand new couch at a garage sale. That's an attractive flyer in the neighborhoods. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, pivot with lots of laughing emoji pivot! faces here. <laughs> uh, every time I hear TJ's opening for the top 25 countdown, I laugh even more. Respect, it's TJ. Great. It's great. You're the oh, best, Thank man. you. Thank you. I just You're look forward to it. He does it every that. year. Every year he says, I don't know if I got anything this year. And then every year it's gold. Michael Scott. I just wait for Michael Scott's part because I don't know if I enjoy anything more in a sitcom history than – Michael Scott hammering on Toby all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Who has better facilities, Toby, Oklahoma or Nebraska? Patrick wants to know. Okay. I like OU's football stadium better. 
Nebraska's seats more, but OU's is nicer. Is that fair, Teej? You know what I'm saying there? Yes. Like, Nebraska holds 100,000, I think, but mm-hmm. OU has a nicer football stadium than Nebraska. Nebraska has a significantly better basketball arena. I don't think I've ever seen their baseball stadium. It's got to be better than ours, though, right, as it currently is. Maybe a renovated Mitchell Park, no, but. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say edge to Nebraska because they get two of the big three. I assume somebody out there who's seen Nebraska's baseball stadium, let me know. I assume it's better than ours, but I don't I actually know that. But I prefer I think Owen Field is nicer than Memorial Stadium. I feel confident about that. It's a big, awesome stadium, don't get me wrong, but I think Owen Field is just super cool. Super unique and nice. 848, we'll be back. This hour of the T-Row in the Morning Show is brought to you by RK Black, a leading provider of office technology solutions for small and medium-sized businesses. Call 405-943-9800 or visit rkblack.com.